Many schools across Venezuela have reopened their classrooms. Chicago's on-again, off-again schools are once again back in session. All around the world, schools are open again. Some were closed for months, others for almost two years due to COVID. Shutting schools down is always going to make learning more difficult. For better and for worse. An estimated one in 20 secondary pupils had coronavirus, driven by the more transmissible Omicron variant. And now the United Nations says the education lost will have enduring effects. UNICEF says that learning losses have left nearly 70% of children in low- and middle-income countries unable to read and understand a simple text by age 10. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Around the world, the UN says children can't read as well, can't add and subtract as well and that their mental and physical health has suffered. Millions of children are missing the learning they would have had had they been in school. So we could have picked anywhere to tell this story, but we picked Uganda. Schools there have been closed since March 2020, shortly after the first case of COVID-19 was confirmed on the African continent. Uganda shut down schools for nearly two years, the longest shutdown in the world. The end of the lockdown means children in Uganda will once again get to experience one of the most important parts of their lives, education. Halima Athumani is a journalist there and dropped off her 11-year-old daughter, Nabil, at school outside the capital, Kampala, just the other week. I didn't cry, but I felt like I had left a piece of me behind. I mean, we've been home for this, for this whole while, and it's just been the two of us. So you can imagine, after all these months, you're separating from the one person who has been making you go nuts, but happy, and you have all this fun together. And now, Halima's trying to adjust, to get back to how things were. We all know it is for the better good. But will her country and her daughter be able to do the same? Halima held it together on drop-off day. Her daughter had a harder time. Navel is 11 years old, and she goes to Namgongo Girls Boarding Primary School. Before the pandemic, they picked that school because it's just a half hour away from Halima's home. Tuesday and Thursday were visiting days, and Halima could check in on her daughter. Now with the pandemic, it's not clear if there will be visiting days again. And so when I was leaving, she was like, Mommy, you know what? Ah, I'm really going to miss you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to miss you too. Mm. But you have to study. She was like, yeah, I know I have to study. So as we finished everything, she was like, can I drive with you up to the gate as you head out? I was like, yeah, come in. So she comes into the car. We drive to the gate. And then she goes, I think I'm going to cry. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? Today, please don't cry. Halima tried to cheer her up. You're going to be talking about how the holidays were. It's going to be catching up time. Just enjoy that and just study. And she's like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't cry today. (laughs) So I hugged her and then I drove out. I'm sure so many people can relate. The truth is, like many parents, Halima was scared too. For the past two years, she'd kept her daughter from COVID. But from now on, someone else would be in charge of her care. The school is not going to ask her every day, how are you? How are you feeling? But in the meantime, she's trying to get back to work and hoping for the best. I am a journalist. Uh, I should say a freelance journalist. 
best in Kampala. And what kinds of stories do you usually cover? Well, it ranges uh, from health to politics to sports to business. I, I literally cover everything. I'm a freelancer, so, you know. When the government closed the schools, did you report on that when it happened? Yes, it's close to 15 million Ugandan children taken out of school at the time. Over the course of the past two years, some schools reopened briefly. Children are going back to school, but little did we know the virus was going to spread fast. And schools were not reporting. They were not telling parents that children are, are being infected. And I think eventually parents started to get to know that children were getting infected and no one was being told. So once it got out into the public limelight, that's when the president said, all schools are shutting down. So those schools shut down again as infections began to rise. Then there was talk about opening up last June, but that didn't happen. Suffice to say, most Ugandan kids, for the majority of the last two years, were not in classrooms. What do you remember being some of the biggest issues for people back when the schools were closing? I think there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of worry for parents who were not able to afford meals every day. The first time when they said lockdown has been implemented, no moving, nothing. The first thing we did, I went and did shopping. (laughs) And then I stocked a bit in the fridge. And then I, I called her, I was like, Madam, we need to have a meeting. And she goes, oh, okay. So we go and stand right in front of the fridge. <laughs> and I tell her, this is all we have for I don't know until when I'm able to move. So please, let's eat sparingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Believe me, three days later, the fridge was almost <laughs> empty. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, how, where, how are we going to manage? But you know, I was lucky because as a journalist, I had the privilege of moving around. Think about parents who were not able to move around. Think about businesses that were shut down. Think about parents who were earning day to day, hand to mouth. Many families have between four to six children. I spoke to a number of parents and believe me, it's painful. A parent will tell you, all we did was have one meal. And if there was no meal, that means children would sleep on porridge. Mm. Children were hungry at home. Parents were helpless. And for many children, Life at home wasn't safe. The other thing is that we discovered during the pandemic was that that is when we got to appreciate the fact that schools were a safe place for children. Save the Children reported violence and abuse against children in Uganda increased during the lockdown. It was initially underreported because children were not in school and couldn't report it. With many out of work, the commercial sexual exploitation of children also increased, the report said. Right now, I think as a result, this is why we have tens or maybe hundreds of children who are now mothers because of the lockdown. I know that my daughter, for example, wouldn't leave the house without me getting out of the gate just to ensure that wherever she's going, she feels she's safe until she reaches her destination. There was also a more than 20% increase in pregnancies for Ugandan girls, from as young as 10 years old up to 24, according to UNICEF. It really messed up many families. What were many families doing about education? As soon as the lockdown was implemented, the Ministry of Education came out to say they are going to supply study materials to different children. Not every child got these study materials. 
if you had to get them, you had to pay money, even though the government said was being supplied for free. Eventually, for schools that were able to, because I remember there was a day we were there and then I, got, I get a text from one of the teachers and says, hey, we've started Zoom lessons. Do you mind joining? I said, yeah. But that is because I'm a parent, I should say, with of privilege. Right. I bought for my daughter a laptop to use. Had she been completing classes over the computer? How was it working? They were having lessons every day. They would have three lessons per day, an hour each. And then after every month, the school would send us examinations, would print them out, and then she would do them. It was a job, Halima says. It took time. I had to supervise, make sure she's seated in a room all quiet, not taking in any books to cheat or anything. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I would always come and keep watching every time she said, Mommy, can I go pee? And I'm like, uh-uh, there's no <laughs> pee. You need to first finish the paper. But that, that, that was also, you know, a new experience, you know. Yeah. But there are parents who were not able to do all of that. And I think in the future, we are definitely going to see the repercussions of this situation that disparity of children, they are all going to compete for the same jobs. They are all going to compete for the same life opportunities. But it's not the children's fault. Neither can I say it's the parents' fault. COVID came and we have to deal with the repercussions. The country's education minister says the students will start where they left off, before the schools closed. But according to Uganda's National Planning Authority, close to a third of students won't be coming back to school. It cites pregnancies and early marriage as a cause for some. Others found work, and it was work they needed. I remember we went to a district very close to Kampala, and there we found this young boy who was helping his mom make bricks. His younger sister was helping his mom cook food. That is what children became. Vendors, laundry machines, cooks, they worked in mining areas or maybe just sitting by the roadside and vending masks. That was such a big deal. Everyone was buying masks. Children were not being children anymore. Children had to work. I know that in Kampala, the capital, authorities are saying that 40 schools have closed for good. Private school teachers weren't compensated during the closure. Your daughter's school Was there ever a risk that it could close? For many government or established schools, teachers were able to get back. However, I still have a feeling that even the 40 that were reportedly closed probably was a low figure. Uganda has a high number of private schools. Many of these private schools, if you drove around during the pandemic, you'd find that Schools either were being turned into hotels or business uh, premises or lodges, things like that, that many of these private schools closed down. On the first week of school reopening, there's a high school that parents came in, they paid tuition, everything seemed so normal. On the third day of school, parents are called and told, we're sorry, but the school is closing for good. Wow. So, I mean, parents were stuck. And so were the teachers. So people started finding new ways to earn a living. So many teachers started bricklaying businesses or opened up salons. Here, whoever has lost a job, especially for the men, the first thing they think about is, I'm going to buy a motorcycle. And so this motorbike is a means of transport. This border border guy or motorcycle guy, many teachers actually got into that. 
And think for many teachers, eventually when they realize, hmm, I can actually make a little bit more money off this new work. So they just went and didn't think about going back to school. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So what are you seeing in Kampala and the rest of the country? We've seen students leaving school, the pause in education, schools closing, now reopening. Do you think that this could mean a permanent change for Uganda? It it probably would. Last night, uh, the reason why we didn't record last night was because I was bar hopping. <laughs> so last night was... So life has gone back night. to normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, last night was the first night in two years that the economy was now fully reopening for uh, night sports, for any other kind of business that had been shut down. Are things going to get back to normal? Not necessarily for everyone. Another mother that I was speaking to recently, when I spoke to the daughter and, and I asked her, have you gone back to school? And she says, no, I'm not going back this term because my mom does not have money, but I'm hopeful that the second term I'll be going back to school. Once I was done speaking to her, I went and spoke to her mom and her mom was honest. And she tells me, Halima, I am a poor woman. I am partially blind. The only way I earn money is by washing or doing laundry for people. And I'll be honest with you, I have six mouths to feed. I do not think my daughter is ever going back to school. Oh. Things have changed. Things have changed. Mm -hmm. The repercussions of COVID-19 on children is so huge. I am not sure that gap will ever be filled. So why do you think the government started school again now? Have people been vaccinated in Uganda? Have those rates gone up? I think the government came to a point where they realized they couldn't hold people back anymore. Currently, statistics from the Ministry of Health shows that from the time that the shutdown was implemented, we've had over 160,000 cases. Only 12.5 million people have been vaccinated, even though the government is targeting 20 million Ugandans. So you can't say that it is completely safe, but I think to a certain point, the government needed things to run. Schools play a big part of the economy. Schools also contribute a lot in people's pockets. Many of our families still are subsistence farmers. The produce that they grow is what they sell to the market, it's what they sell to schools. Schools feed on porridge, schools feed on maize meal. And in a way, I think that's the way the government is also going to have to be able to make revenue by tax Ugandans and all of that. So if the economy had to grow, Schools had to reopen, and many schools actually used this, this opportunity to even raise the school fees. So again, children are staying at home because parents cannot afford the high school fees. Both public and private schools increased their fees. So you personally, as a mother, when you learned that schools were reopening, how did you feel? Oh, it was a sigh of relief, I'll be honest, because I saw my daughter anxious, always sitting here. I mean, children need other children to interact. Children need other children to play with. So for me, it, it came as a sigh of relief that finally my child is going back to school. So how is your daughter doing now? Have you checked in since you dropped her off? Yes. The day that I was leaving school, I spoke to a school matron. And I asked one thing that we cannot hide away from is the fact that I know there's going to be a high number of infections. Mm -hmm. So in the event that my daughter falls ill, please let me know. Yeah. And she says, that's fine. 
that was last week and then I see a call from the metron and I'm like oh the metron is calling me so I I call back and then I hear Nabil's voice on the phone and she goes mommy I'm sick and then she goes I have body weakness I have cough I have flu and I have headache oh man so I tell the metron not I think she has covid and Nabil did have covid Halima was right so she called to check up on her and made a special request. She asked the school to pick up a prescription for her daughter. And she worried, like any parent would. She waited a few days, then she called back. Yes? How are you? She was able to get Naveel on the phone and asked again how she was doing. I'm I'm so sorry that I am not able to be there for you when you're sick. How, how has Mommy Metron been treating you? Yes, treating me fine. Okay, was well, she giving you some things to drink and all of that? Yes. Okay, that's good to know. I have missed you so much. Me too. And I wanted to just talk to you and see how you're doing. I'm feeling better. You're feeling better? Yes, the only thing yeah. I have now is cough and flu only. It's the only thing that is remaining? Yes. The body weakness has gone? Yes, but it still comes sometimes, but it's not that much. It's not that much? Yes. Yes, mommy. Okay, and may Allah protect you? Yes, mommy. May he guide you? Yes. Are you wearing your masks? Yes. Please wear them, my baby, please. Yes, mommy. Now Halima just has to wait until the next call to find out how her daughter is doing. It's hard being forced to trust a system not made for this. What did it feel like when your daughter told you she was sick? Uh, my heart sank. My heart sank. Uh, for me, uh, it hurt me that she was sick and I was not able to extend the same care. As a mother, I felt I feel so left out that the one time that my daughter has gotten infected with this disease that is spreading all over the world, I am not able to be there. I always say that no matter who I give my child to, it does not absorb the fact that I am still responsible. All I ask for is if my child is sick, let me know. Yeah. But our schools will not let you know. Mm. They just won't. It's a scary time for every parent. And Halima says, in Uganda at least, it still feels like there's a long way to go. If I look at myself as, as a journalist looking at what the pandemic has done to children, I think as a country, we will have a lot to build on. Many parents are happy that their children are back to school. But if only we took the time to check on our children, if only our schools took the trouble to let parents know, if only our government, you know, worked better, our children will always be our children, irrespective of who we give them to, irrespective of who is going to help us take care of them. COVID taught us or got us closer to our children. That shouldn't stop. That shouldn't end with them going back to school. But now, she says, with schools in session and a deadly virus that hasn't gone away, she needs the people caring for her child to care as much as she does. We still need to nurture our children, even though they're now back into the teacher's hands and the school's hands. I still have 
responsibility over my child. I am still their mother, whether she's with me or she's not with me. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters with Ruby Zaman, Ney Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, Nagin Oliai, Priyanka Tilve, and me, Malika Bilal. Tom Fenton is our story editor. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Elmilek is our engagement producer. And Stacey Samuel is executive producer. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at AJ The Take. And we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back.